Jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Clubs, clubs, clubs. The Different Knock, an Arsenal podcast. But what made you so sure that this was the best place and this was the right decision for you? It's Arsenal, you know. Come on, it's Arsenal. Welcome back to... And... The one that I'm mentioning now, Gabriel Jesus. I said it last time I was on it, he's the best football player in the world. And Arsenal Podcast with Alexander Maddie, been a very good friend. Bradley Adams. Hello, mate. Brad has asked me to talk him through the goal I scored at Five Side today, which was... Listeners... I think my life peaked in that moment. I think it was the best moment of my life. I picked the ball up deep, sort of DLP area. Ball out from Ramsdale, my friend Piers. Similar characters. He turns. He drives. Piers was in net. Yeah, yeah, Piers was in net. He was decent, actually. He'll love me saying that. Uh, <laughs> drive, drive into midfield. Notice a slot, right? Ooh. Bosh, off the right foot. I haven't got a left foot, so it's the only choice. Brad, it could not have gone more top bins from the halfway line. I would not have placed it better in the top in the top corner. It was, it was exquisite, Bradley. Was it was it that kind of top corner where like it actually it just like it's not even in the top technical top corner. It like clips the post and goes that. Do you know what I mean? You know, Vinnie Company's goal a couple of years yeah. ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. it didn't even hit the bar. It just flew in. Ah, oh, love it. We we played. This was this was weeks ago when you weren't there, and I smacked a volley, the truest I've ever hit a ball off the crossbar. It like clipped the bottom of the crossbar and went down, and it just it didn't go in, and it was the most disappointing moment of my life because I yeah. The thing is, you want to pretend at five side that you don't you don't care. Do you know what I mean? But in the end, you Aww. just do. <laughs> Mate, honestly, honestly, when I like pull out a big save or if I keep a clean sheet. I I you I don't feel euphoria like it anywhere else in my it's life. It's unbelievable. It's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Um, Brad, we've started this episode off on a on a light note, but I I do also um, I think it would be a remiss of me not to um just just bring the tone down a second and uh, wish some um fond condolences to um to these people because you know death is never good. Um, no one wants death to happen. Um, we, you know, no one, no one ever desires a death to occur, but when it does happen, we have to appreciate it. And, you know, Manchester United was such a lovely club, um, and filled with such lovely fans. Yeah. Such lovely people. And, um, their, (laughs) their death on Saturday afternoon was, it was heartbreaking. It was absolutely heartbreaking. So I just want to, just want to send my, uh, my condolences out. I will be at the funeral. Oh yes, I will be dancing on the grave, um, but uh, with your yeah, sunglasses that... on. <laughs> that guy in the fucking meme. <laughs> oh, Brad, we've got to talk about Arsenal. We've got to talk about Arsenal, right? Arsenal. Um, what did we do? Four, four, two against Leicester at the Emirates. Um, we did on a sweltering hot day. Very, very warm. Um, there is a conversation about climate change that I'm not. Uh, intending to have on a Sunday afternoon about football, but let's let's not do that. I um I was hoping we'd hear North London forever, and we did, but I'm not sure it was taken up on. I heard a sort of half-hearted North London forever. Um, I wanted it to happen. Do you know what? I th- do you know what I think has happened? I think basically the the summer came at a very bad time for that song because if that had happened mm. on the way for example to say top four like say we say it happened i don't know um post 
Southampton that game in December last year or something on that sort of really good run that we went on there, I think it would have been fine. But I think it's kind of a victim of its own time. I like North London Forever. I've, I know people think it's cringe, but I really like it. I don't really... There's there, uh, there's so many songs. I'm not really bothered by it. I think it was... What I think is really helpful and really good for the fans is having a unifying song and a unifying moment. This song is sung at the beginning of every game. And I feel like North London Forever could have been that for Arsenal. But I don't feel that it was necessary for it to be that. It, there, there will be other songs. Uh, but it obviously, it, it fit really well for for what we for what we are so i also think that if say the back end of the season goes better i think people are erasing memories because it's mm. a bit traumatic and so that that song has unfortunately been cast into the ether due to that i wouldn't be surprised if it if it does make a return at some point yeah in some form yeah i um mm. i think ultimately the crowd and the you know it's incredible how much arteta speaks about the crowd and the fans and the stadium and the energy and all that sort of stuff. And, and, and it's paying off, you know, the Saliba moment yesterday uh, with the own goal, you saw the reaction of the, of the fans and, and that has got to have a positive impact. You know, I saw Edu post on his um, Instagram story about it, you know, that there's, there's going to be a positive um, outcome of all this. And, and, you know, you see clips of the stadium looking much, you know, so much more positive, et cetera, et cetera. You know, that, that can only be a good thing. Right. But, I guess these things ha- kind of have to be a bit more organic and I don't think it was particularly organic, which I, I understand, but I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of would have wished for it to, it to be something probably because I'm, I'm, I'm wanting us to have something there. Do you know what I mean? That it feels like something that ties us together. You know, the Chelsea thing that goes, that bit or whatever, like, I don't know. I just would have liked something. And I, maybe maybe it's me being uh, Brad is taking off his shirt. <laughs> it's <laughs> too, too hot. I never had a shirt on, so it, <laughs> it's too hot. It, it is too. It's been like thirty-five degrees in the UK today. We are. I we haven't. Are I haven't taken a clear piss in about three four days, <laughs> and I have been drinking liters of water. <laughs> Yeah, my my uh, piss is the colour of some energy drinks right now. Like it's awful. Would you name the energy drinks that you're part of sponsors of? Uh, <laughs> probably, probably some like, probably some backwater version of Monster Energy Drink. But you wouldn't want to call out, for example, say uh, an energy drink that's now sponsoring Arsenal, rhyming with dime. For example, you know, just you know, just a just or, a or, or crime for or example. crime. <laughs> I've never actually had it. Have you? <laughs> No, apparently it's terrible. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, crime we'll is give probably it a, there. It's four pound fifty. It's four pound fifty at the stadium. So we'll we'll, we'll split a bottle at Fulham. It's four pound fifty. Yeah. How much do you get? How many milliliters? Five hundred milliliters. <laughs> Fucking hell! Right, it's been such a chaotic podcast, right, Brad? Let's do some. Let's put on our big boy pants and start. <laughs> Alex, to we're ten minutes in. We've not. We've not. Let's start about anything. Anything. Come on, let's analyze some football. We can do it. Um, Bradley, your word of the game, please, mate. <sighs> Yes. He says, writing notes. Mm, um, mm, yeah. Mm. Mm, mm, yes. Mm. Uh, my word of the game is regeneration. Because, and I mentioned this on a spaces we did earlier, and I, I've really been racking my brain to find the right word. And I don't think this is the right word, but this is what I've kind of come to. In that Arsenal of last season were such a streak-based team. If we lost a game, we'd lose three in a row. If we won, we'd win six in a row. It wasn't very, there wasn't too much. There was really, really big low points and really high points. And you'd feel that losses would would streak into one another. The Tottenham loss streaks into Newcastle. That that loss at, at Tottenham is, is a lot to do with the result in Newcastle, in my opinion. And similarly, the losses against palace then denoted the 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 mood for southampton and brighton and what i've started to see is a real a real regeneration in attitude and application from the players when they go down when the chips are tough and eat and that also doesn't have to be a loss or even a goal against us there was moments where you'd see people lose a 50 50 or 
Leicester would get through and Ramsdale would make a big save. And immediately after that, there was a mentality shift that that was, this isn't good enough. We are on the front foot. We are controlling this game. And then we would take the game to Leicester. And I think that that's no surprise that we then scored two goals, both I think like a minute after we conceded, because the mentality has regenerated and shifted in this club that when we are being, when we are allowing ourselves to be put under the cosh, that's not good enough. And we need to be protagonists. We need to be the main character. We need to be the person. Protagonist deciding the storyline and uh i think it's really good to to see that change in the lads yeah i think that's well said um and i think that's probably yeah the 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 biggest shift is that i feel as though with you know with the new additions with the belief of the players that we've (laughs) so funny we just say (laughs) no tops on (laughs) let's talk about arsenal sorry Listen, um, it's, a, it's a sexual topic yeah literally literally mate and and it, it oh mate it just the way we're approaching games now i think is so much more mature mm. i would like to see some development this is with the caveat that i i 100 um as i said earlier like i'd love to see us put our foot on the ball a bit more not have to feel like we're either going all out in defense or all out trying to stop something there feels like this, you know, that sort of dead possession that City have where they just like hold onto the ball, knock it about for 10 minutes, basically just kill the game when they're two up. I would have loved to see that at some point to feel like we're managing the game a bit better. But the big difference is in terms of the game management is how we're responding. That's the difference. And, you know, we we are yet to go one down and that's that's a big question mm-hmm. or to even two down and respond. That's a big question to be answered. But the signs are looking really, really good in terms of how we're potentially going to respond to those situations and how the way we're approaching these games feels like whatever we're doing we're playing forward and you hear it in the all or nothing documentary there's there's so much to take from it i think people are waiting for you know sort of big scoops or insights but actually for me the big stuff is actually what arteta says to the players before matches he's saying play it forward defend forward move forward and that's what we're seeing um my word of the game is movement and it's kind of related to that um in the way how we are occupying spaces. And I just think it's, it's unbelievable and, you know, sorry to get a bit technical, but think about the game this way, or I'm trying to, I'm trying to start thinking about the game this way. There's five behind, there's five behind the ball and there's five in front of the ball. And what we're seeing is the way the fullbacks are tucking in and occupying those central zones means we can create the overloads, but it also means that we can create space for and and occupy and vacate space for the wingers to come into we've seen early doors in this season martinelli and saka popping up in those central zones that they haven't before so there's clearly an idea to overload the central zones when we can and clearly an idea to vacate them when when it feels more appropriate having those two two players there ben white and zinchenko when you don't need players in their zones, when they can step up and we've got control of the ball, able to overload, able to have another person in the, in, the, in those zones, gives us so much. It gives us so much freedom. And the fluidity of the front line is is incredible. It's absolutely incredible that the interchanging of positions, Martinelli popping up on the right, Saka popping up on the left, Jesus popping up in fucking Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I mean, he literally just, he goes wherever he wants, mate. It's incredible. But the way we we vacate and come into space and arrive in space is completely different this season. And it's it's incredible to watch. And we've had positional rotation before. We've seen Xhaka coming into that left, left centre-back slot, for example. But he's got an armchair there. He had an armchair. There was a sort of, we know Xhaka's going to drop in there when we build up. That's fine. What we're seeing now is Xhaka popping up as a almost a second striker at points we're seeing Zinchenko come in and and receive a ball on the in the right half space we're seeing Ben White playing either you know up the wing or inside or whatever we're seeing Gabriel able to pull you know play play the ball forward and and move through different zones this is proper positional play this is ability for players to be in different positions and actually carry out actions and and carry out uh, attacking threat and create chances and we're becoming a chance creation machine because we have so many players 
who are good at football. <laughs> like, it's that simple. They can control a football. They can give a football. Their first action is good. Their the retention is good. Hit my mic I'm so excited. Their retention is good. And they move it forward always. And the movement is that. It's the movement of the player. It's the movement of the ball. It's how we're constructing attacks. It's so quick. It's so dynamic. It's so adventurous. It's playing forward always. It's looking to move forward. And as you say, in the response to, to Leicester's goal, for example, we're immediately playing it forward. We're not scared because we know we've got the solidity. We know we've got the security. We've got the recovery pace. We've got whatever. So it's just so exciting to watch us, mate. And I... I just love the way we're approaching the game. I love it, you know, and I don't know where this takes us. I don't know where where we go from here. I don't know how the season's going to go. But I look at this team. I looked it up the other day. 13 of our 15 most valuable assets are under 25. The way Arteta has got us playing, the rotations, the patterns, the intensity to go forward, the the press structure is unbelievable. We don't give any lanes up. We 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 aren't stupid and overcommit. It's it's perfect. We are playing so well, and and mate, like I, I start to look back on you know conversations we had you know in December of 2020 when you were sat on your sofa <laughs> sofa on Christmas Day, you know, wishing I was dead so I didn't have to watch us get thrashed by Chelsea. Yeah, and and I know we mentioned United in a tongue in cheek way, but Ten Hag for me, has been naive to think he can come in and play the exact same way that he did at Ajax. I'm now retrospectively with, looking... With personnel, with, with the same personnel. With Frodo Baggins at centre-back. Like, like, Don't you know, steal my joke. I called him Frodo no, Baggins Fr- first. You, you called bastard. him Frodo, I called him Frodo. I called him Frodo, I called it. Come on. Um, I would say, yeah. I, I start I, a spin-off podcast called The Different <laughs> Nuke. Just I hope that bombers. isn't some sort of slur, by the way. <laughs> the different nuke, yeah, it could be. Who knows? Something you're getting cancelled. Um, but yeah, the Martinez would have been unbelievable in that Zachenko role. I have no doubt. But he's come in and thought he can play the same way he can at Ajax, and he just can't. Splitting the centre back, trying to by Ben me, trying to get Fred to drop in and receive off the foot. It's unbelievably naive. Arteta now we Ben me was a go, manager six months ago. Ben Mee was a manager six months ago and is now bullying that. Frodo Baggins at centre back. Like it's, and it's it's things like putting. I saw a tweet about this and it, it, I think it was from AFC James and it, it it's it I think it perfectly encapsulates what we're trying to talk about in that playing Christian Eriksen at false nine and at defensive midfield are two experiments you realise are fucking stupid during pre season. And if you look at what Arteta did when he first came in, was he set up a system that covered in the most part the deficiencies of the players. Exactly. There are so many deficiencies within that United squad. And he has done none of that. And they are going to really struggle now uh, because every single team they go to to negotiate a transfer for is going to slap an extra 10, 15, 20 million pounds on that price tag because they know United are rich and not only are United rich, but United are desperate. And they don't have a lot more to look forward to. They have the worst midfield balance I've seen. Like, why are you playing both Ericsson and Bruno Fernandes? They don't, they're not, and Bru- like, it doesn't work. And then you're dropping Ericsson deep which is facilitating a player in Fernandez, who is the for me probably one of the most overrated players of the last four or five years, came in, scored a shitload of penalties, but all he does is dirty tackles, bitch and moans, and Hollywood balls that never come off, and they'll come off once a season, and people will be praising the the vision. It it's a real worry for how far United could slip this season, and I am so happy about it for the shit that we've been given. It couldn't have happened to a nicer fan base, but fuck them. On to the arts. <laughs> One thing that also I, I really want to give credit to the club about, and I know we need to start talking about the game and the patterns and everything, but the the transfer strategy and vision in this club has been brilliant for, for two seasons now. We wanted Lissandro Martinez to come in and play that inverted fullback role. That was very, very clear. 
we had a set price that we were willing to go up to as soon as as soon as it eclipsed that we dropped out went and got our second target for cheaper than apparently we'd offered for Lissandro Martinez and that player will now facilitate that role perfectly Lissandro Martinez has decided to go to Manchester United and play center back in the most physical league in the world it's it's not going to end well yeah and <sighs> You know, you can you can see all of the mistakes that United are making were us a couple of years ago, and it's and I think the reason that they feel relevant is because we've changed that around. We've become a different team. We've we've you know, there's a clip of Ralph Rennick going around basically saying what city what City Liverpool have done is they've gone here's how we want to play, and everything else comes under that: the recruitment, the training, the staff, the medical team everything has come under so what we want to do is we want to run more okay well how do we do that what players do we need etc 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 how do we support them what training exercises do we do it, it, it and it's so clear when you watch them that that's what's happened because they're a cohesive unit and united aren't doing that and it's not the united podcast but the point being that it feels like arsenal are headed that way it feels like we're a really cohesive unit you know as you say about um martinez mm. and zinchenko zinchenko had our most passes yesterday you know, the game is running through him. And I'm looking at our our passing network now. And that left side, I mean, I mean, let's start there before we sort of look into the goals and stuff. I want to focus on on Xhaka and Martinelli, who I thought had an absolutely fantastic game. Um, Gabriel, again, his average position is is sitting slightly further up. I think Gabriel is seriously underrated in terms of his his set piece work, his his overall contribution to our game, both going forward and backwards, is is incredible. And he is sat, sat that slight further forward, so we get the overloads from Zinchenko and White, and, and Gabriel's able to sort of play them out. Um, but yeah, Martinelli and, and Jackie yesterday, I mean, were just incredible. I, I said this earlier, but Martinelli, there's a, there's a um, thing that Wenger said years ago about when players learn their technical ability and it's something like between like nine and 14 I can't remember exactly what he said but it's it's you know it's it's before they get their sort of physical prowess and their sort of you know late teens and early 20s is when they fill out and um unlike I have and um you know there's a sort of understanding that that there's different sort of zones or times of where different things develop Martinelli's technical ability the way he works in tight spaces has leap come on leaps and bounds and the way he can hold on to it now means we can just sit that five ten yards further up the pitch and it's the same thing every single time the field tilt yesterday i think we had like 73 percent ben white's ability on the ball couple of yards up further up the pitch zinchenko's ability to, to hold on to it couple of yards further up the pitch martinelli couple 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 and then you end up sitting in their half with movement ahead of the ball peppering chances and getting these constant flows of attack that's the thing. It's the technical quality. And Martinelli is really, really stepping up to the plate on that. I thought he was excellent yesterday. I thought he had Fafana on toast. Um, Xhaka arriving late. Should like, have been sent off. Prime Aaron Ramsey. Yeah, I just, I thought I thought Martinelli was excellent yesterday. Uh, I think that whole left side of the pitch has been an unbelievable improvement yep. from being, you know, we went from being really reliant on it, but not producing anything to not reliant on it at all to now looking like our best work right now is coming down there. Yep. Um, and you mentioned Ben White and now I think we found our, our 11. I really do. I think this is it. I think Ramsdale in net, you have Saliba and Gabriel in front of them who are two defenders. Like obviously I think Saliba's passing network is is amazing i think him with the ball is brilliant but having white if i think about white's superpowers and i think about what white does best it's mazy runs forward it's good diagonal balls across the pitch and linking in with play and he's quite athletic so i would want him pushing a bit further forward and having him out at right back as if he was the right centre back for Brighton, allowing him to play inverted or go up to the half space with Erdegaard and Saka and create those triangles, I think is is perfect for us. And for me, I think we found our eleven. We can interchange Zinchenko and Tierney on the basis of if we need a bit more directness and aggression. But for most games moving on, I I really wouldn't 
change this at all. You look at what we're doing now and it's it's brilliant. And I think that Granite Xhaka constantly through his Arsenal career goes from being quite overrated to quite underrated. And I think we're at almost an equilibrium now where we see exactly what Granite Xhaka is good at. And now the system is good enough to allow players to not be good at things. Mm -hmm. Previously, Mm -hmm. the systems have been flawed and the players within them have been so flawed that players who've succeeded at Arsenal during that time have been so good at so many things. They haven't just been one-trick ponies. Now we're at a situation where we can have a player who is quite physically limited, like Granit Xhaka, doesn't have the best turning circle, doesn't have the best right foot, has some real flaws to his game. But we have him looking just sensational because the coverage... uh, I I play a lot of football manager and... um, on your tactics board on Football Manager, it has the zone things. And like th- there's more than just like the, se- the the 14, 17 zones. There's like lots more. And it, it shows in green where you've got good coverage and in red, sometimes we've got bad coverage. And we're green all across the board. I'm not looking at that squad or that place going, no, that's where we're going to be exploited. That's where I'm going to be worried about. I look at that 11 and I go, I'm not worried about being exploited I think obviously teams will be better than us. Manchester City, for example, Liverpool, for example. I think that we will definitely have games on our hands against Chelsea and Spurs. They will be difficult games. But I don't look at those things anymore and go, oh yeah, Son is going to absolutely exploit our right-hand side like I previously have had to. Or, you know, Kevin De Bruyne is going to absolutely boss the midfield because we've got no one anywhere. I... I look at this team as such an unbelievably well-rounded package and system now that we really have to just give props to the work that's been done because it's it's a turnaround on 12 months, let alone a turnaround on 24 months. We're going to start winning again. We're going to win so much. We're going to win at every level. We're going to win economically. We're going to win with the economy. Um, but you're right, though. Like, the, the way the left side of our of our team has been has been kind of rejuvenated is or regeneration as your word of the game would be um <clears throat> i think is incredible and you know the way the way that it's what's been added really we had martinelli and jack last season it's that solidity behind them in zinchenko you know someone's there who's going to hold on to the ball you know you know he can keep the ball so yeah, as mu- as much as we can concern ourselves with you know patterns of play and triangles and moving in and out of zones and and quality on the ball and also you know all this sort of stuff ultimately if you go and play a game of football and you cannot get the ball off someone you start to have to change your game you have to adapt your game plan that's it so when we have people who can hold on to a football we look better <laughs> so we because we keep the ball and that's and, and then you can start to do what you want with it um and then what it means, I think, our, our left-hand side being being dynamically different is that our right-hand side doesn't have to carry ourselves. You know, Saka, I thought, actually, didn't have his best game. Had a, had a bit of a bit of a sort of poor game. Didn't really uh, didn't really look up to much. I wouldn't have called it poor though. I think that we're so used to seeing him dropping nine out of tens and being that final ball or being that the goal because he was our top goal scorer, wasn't he, last season? You know, we're so used to seeing him do that, that now we have these different dynamics. Saka put in a six, a seven out of 10, which for his standard is poor, but like he still created that really good chance for Xhaka at the back post and was still interchanging well. I just think that you start to view things differently when the whole picture is good. Yeah, I I wouldn't put him at a seven, certainly. I'd, I'd hover him around five or six just because I know what he can do. I didn't think it was his best game. I mm. noticed him giving the ball away a lot, but also he created some chances. So it's an average performance, do you know what I mean? But what I mean is, is that he doesn't, we don't have to be like, Saka has to play out of his skin for us to win. Do you see what I mean? We've got different dynamics on the pitch. And yeah. It means that the right-hand side pod doesn't have to be this sort of, you know, perfect, cohesive thing uh, to make sense. Let's let's have a look at the sort of the goals in more sort of detail then. So we had... The first one, uh, I think we had a situation with Xhaka, Xhaka off the post. And this first one is just, it's quality that we didn't have before. 
And that's it. Elliot's, it's disrespectful. Elliot, <laughs> Elliot Smith on the Arsenal Vision podcast. Like, it's a disrespectful finish. How Dan, how I'm sorry. How how Danny Ward is going to go home after that game and look his wife and kids in the face after being disrespected so hard? Like it's just filthy. It's foul. <laughs> Elliot Smith on the on the Arsenal Vision podcast says. He's always said he wanted a force of nature player. And that's what I think Jesus is. He is a force of nature player. He's someone who can create something out of nothing, can be someone who comes on to a pitch and you go, he's going to make something happen. And it's his movement. I've waxed lyrical about him over constant podcasts. You go back and listen to them. But just the way he moves, that's everything. That's all it is. And when and having someone who isn't, what I've described Lacazette as, uh, as I've described before, as like a pinball thing. You know when like the, the ball in pinball bounces off Bumper. those little bumpers? Yeah. yeah. Lacazette's basically been that. There's a bit, in, again, in All or Nothing, where um, uh, Arteta praises Lacazette. I think it's from the Villa game where he said, what you did, you know, Lacazette tonight, where you went pat, pat, pat and came in and then got in the box. Incredible. That's what he wanted from his centre forward. He's saying, you know, what you did when you did that. So when he started to not be able to do that, clearly that's not what Arteta wanted. So we know he's always wanted someone who can move as much as Jesus can do. And as I say, occupy different zones. Um, It's incredible. And then he just pulls out ridiculous, (laughs) ridiculous moments like that. I mean, it's... And ultimately, you see uh, see De Bruyne's goal against um, Bournemouth. Ultimately... No. He just hits it with the outside of his foot and it's just it's just simple. It's just so simple. Someone gets on the ball and they're better than their opponent. And you can call it qualitative superiority or you can call it what a fucking hit. Ultimately, it scores goals. Who cares? Someone's good at football. That's it. And and we've got better footballers in our team. Like it, it, That is what it is. It's it's absolutely unbelievable. And it is a... It's rude. It's a rude finish. Um, it's It's disrespectful. Danny Ward's going to have to look at his kids and <laughs> just understand the the absolute ball slapping on his chin finish. They're never going to look at him the same way again. Did you see uh, the clips of it com- of comparing it with Alexis's goal against Ludogorets? No, no. It's exactly the same goal, mate. And he is he gives me Alexis vibes in that he just he's as I say, is that force of nature. His second goal, uh sort of head I think on. it was a, was it the sixteen seventeen season? Was it sixteen seventeen season where Alexis started us started playing like centre forward for us quite a lot? He arrived in fifteen, so possibly, yeah. Yeah, and he looked good down yeah. the middle. Yeah, but it's it's just energy, mate. It's like it's just the the ability to to run <laughs> like run. if I was fitter in five aside I'd be a better player like that's it if you can run more <laughs> you like it doesn't really matter about technical quality obviously that's great but if you can run more you can close people down you can run after balls you look better like it's he's just got he's got that physical capacity and it's his but it's not just that of course it's his it's his cleverness of movement and then you come onto the second goal and he you know sort of peels away at the back post anticipates it really well um can see that we can read the flight of the ball and it's two nil. And, you know, we haven't had again, someone who can, who can move like that as well as he does. Um, it's yeah, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a great finish. The penalty incident. Thoughts on that? Big, big fat dive, big fat dive. Ramsdale's already pulling out and isn't, and it's, it's the tinier, I, I think the problem is, is Vardy also massively exaggerates the contact and the 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 kind of aftermath of, of the contact. I think if he doesn't literally flop in the air like a falcon and then slam on the floor like a fucking concrete shit, he maybe gets the decision. He like, but when but when it's looked at from VAR, they see minimal contact and they see Vardy doing his best, you know, black swan impression, flying through the air, and then they go, well, it's obviously him trying to buy it. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I, um, when I first saw it, I went penalty. It's a penalty, because it oh, just looked... Yeah, me too, me too. It looked clumsy. But then you watch it back and you go, okay, and there was, the, there was an angle where we could see almost Ramsdale front on 
and then you realize he is pulling out of that challenge he he's he's not being clumsy there um but that's what VAR's for you know we'll absolutely spend another podcast screaming at it but when it benefits us it's <laughs> it's fine isn't it um other goals the Saliba own goal um great reaction from the fans and yeah. from him to really kind of get him back on track yeah exactly like i i i don't view it as any great issue particularly um yeah i think the, the reaction from the both both the team and from saliba and from the fans was really the main thing there those things happen you know you're you're going to be caught in those situations we're just watching it now you know header goes over the top what can he really do that you know vardy's right there he can't let vardy have it and it's just unfortunate the position he's in but then we respond immediately immediately and a ball again ball from the right half space from um from ben white ward um anticipating the conversation with his children uh but can't anticipate the ball and uh drops it and jesus gets an, <laughs> gets an assist do you know what i mean but we were talking we were talking about this earlier rohan uh rj Olsen blog was talking about ben white and saying that you know he wants more overlaps and stuff but actually if you have someone with with quality you're right mate with quality <laughs> from the right half space who can who can whip in those balls i don't i don't see any team doing you know cross and inshallah do you know what I mean like I see them either doing cutbacks from from the from the byline or I see balls clipped in from the right hand half space I don't see much sort of just flat balls whipped in so that's why I like Ben White in the right other than Cedric Suarez other than the big man um or the little man in this case um but yeah I I I really like White in those situations and I and I and I think that's basically what happened um Madison's goal is probably the one downside other than what I said earlier about us. I want to see us put, put our foot on the ball a bit more. Zinchenko's, he, he actually receives the ball in Zinchenko's zone. I think that's going to be a big thing for us this season in that Zinchenko's contribution to an attack will mean that other players have to cover it differently, whether that's Xhaka needs to be a bit more careful or Gabriel needs to be able to step out and not, stand on people I don't know but you know Iheanacho receives it in that zone uh, it's a very intelligent run from Madison a good ball from from Iheanacho but Ramsdale shouldn't be beating his near post it's that's happened quite a few times it's happened with Jota last season as well I think it's an area of improvement for Ramsdale but he's 23 so like we we have to account for that you know um, and I'm sure Ramsdale looking at the character he is on all or nothing and stuff I'm sure he's not sat there going oh yeah that's fine but Oh no! Then immediately, the response comes. Martinelli wins the ball in the middle of the park. The freedom that our wingers have now to come in and overload the central zones, and then it's another ball. Uh, well, it's another assist from Jesus. I mean, it just gives him the ball, but it's a great finish from Martinelli. And you're seeing a confident, confident player there. And I think he looks good, mate. Martinelli, he looks good. I think one thing that the last pre-season few weeks and um these two games have shown us is the need to slap like 350k a week down on a on a Leroy Sane whilst of course it would it would massively improve improve us it is no longer a necessity for that to happen if we can bring in a young lad at the same if not just a slightly lower level to Martinelli and Saka but on that same trajectory and wavelength between kind of the age of 18 and 22 around the same ability level to interchange and rotate with the two of them that is much better because all of them will be able to pick up the minutes and grow at their own pace and they're all having massive impacts now you know there is no guarantee when you sign a Leroy Sane that he's going to come in and, and score goals for your club it's likely because he's a great player but you're never, ever in football guaranteed anything. Look at Romelu Lukaku. Look at what happened with that transfer. It's always a risk. What the progression of Martinelli allows us to now do is mitigate that risk by signing a hot prospect and train them to be what we want. And I, I no matter what the club do, I, I, I now have full faith in, in, in the transfer strategy. And this is coming from a club that once only signed Petr Cech. Um, that it's, honestly, it's like we're a different club. Like, I have so, like, I'm actually, I'm so happy. We're going to win with military. We're going to win with healthcare and for our veterans. 
We're going to win with every single facet. We're going to win so much. We'll talk more about the game in the second uh, second part. So we'll see you after this. Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Thank you to those of you who support us on Patreon, on patreon.com slash diffknock. You get access to ad-free versions of our podcasts for just £3 a month, but the most important part is you're supporting the podcast, YouTube, and more for the price of less than a coffee a month, oh. and helping us grow. It really would mean the world. Now, speaking of coffee, for one-time support, head to buymeacoffee.com slash diffknock, where you can... Buy me a coffee. Coffee... The links are in the show descriptions, lads. Thank you for all your support. Lads and ladies. I meant lads as a purely gender neutral term. Folk. You disgrace. Genteel people. You disgrace, Brad. When I lose a duel, do you know, do you know who I've not... I'm upset. I am upset. Do you know I've not... Uh, where's Debs at? Oh, Debs, where's Debs? It's been a while. How are you doing? Come where's on, Debs? Debs? Where are you at, mate? Fuck, he's soft. Fuck, he's soft. Um, I did. I was going to do my usual rant about 3 p.m. streaming, but I won't. Um, we've got some questions in, Brad. Let's do it. To show me three at to show me three says hi. Could you discuss the misplaced insistence of upgrading on Jacka when we clearly need cover for Partey and Saka? We have enough cover for Jacka within the current squad. Pats and Daka. He did say that. Just it rhymed. Um, yeah, the winger left eight situation. I am very clear on this. I left eight. Think of the names. We've got Xhaka, Sambi Lukonga, Erdegaard, Vieira, Zinchenko, Smith Rowe, Saka. Like we have got options there. I'm not saying any of those are the guy and the right person, but that's not how football works anymore. You you need your first 15, 16. So I'm not concerned about the left eight. I am concerned about the way we have to adapt when Smith Rowe and Pepe are in on the wings. So I think we do need a winger. Um, and mm-hmm. cover for five. Uh, don't know. Don't know. But yeah, cool. Uh, I agree. I think that if you look at that left-hand eight, um, Jacques is performing so well there and it's good to keep at least the stabilizers on for another season. I don't, we don't... I don't think we gain much by by replacing now. And there's so many obvious, you know, if if Saka goes down, it's Pepe. If Martinelli goes down, it's Smith Rowe. And while Smith Rowe is a better player, I don't think he's a winger. So we do desperately need someone in there. I'd also be worried about left-sided centre-back because with this newfound Ben White at right-back... I wouldn't want to have to move Saliba to left. I mean, it's an option, but I would be on the hunt for maybe a, a youth profile left footer at centre-back, like a 20-year-old to come was, in and, and start learning the ropes. There was a link to Trabzonspor's Amit Khan Kaplan, um, who is a left-sided centre-back, supposedly on his way to Ajax, but apparently Arsenal are in for him. Um could I have your entire breakdown of the player detailing strengths and weaknesses, his personal situation, whether he has a girlfriend or not, what tattoos he has, um, whether he's been to the toilet today? I think if he would be the best centre-back since Barese, and if we don't sign him, Edu's a disgrace, Mikel out, Kroenke's after sell. It's time to go! It's time to go. Yeah, I think I think the wing is so le- just left- got off the play from Ecuador. Ecuador. Um, yeah, left-footed centre back definitely something that we could look at. I think I might happen sort of later on in the window. I imagine maybe like a sort of deadline day youth player. I imagine we'll probably have a lot of options there. And we think, well, this you know it doesn't mm. if we get someone who's nineteen and they don't make it after a couple of years, it's not the end of the world. Um, but uh, yeah, I think if Gabriel went down. I'd be more concerned than if Saliba or or White went down because of Tommy Asu's cover. So mm. Saliba, White, and Tommy Asu, I think the, the minutes shared there. I'm happy with any of them in any of those positions. Preference for 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 White and Saliba in the positions they were on uh, Saturday. Um, yes, but yeah, winger. I think we just have to adapt too much. I, I said this before. Pepe and Smith Rowe do their 
do their best work one lane in and they're concentrated there. And if you can, if you can pull them out and, and Smith Rowe is someone who can carry the ball really well, speeds up a game is really good off both feet. That skill can be somewhere else. It doesn't have to be on the wing when it's on the wing, it gets shut down a little bit um, and he gets forced inside and then he's shut down. So um, yeah, I, I'm very keen on getting a Jeremy Pino or whoever that ends up being. Uh, we saw a cl- um, photo this morning of of Edu supposedly on a Ryanair flight to Valencia. So uh, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But um, we will, we shall see. Um, where were we next? We had a question from uh, Twit Twitter Ernie. Twitter Ernie. Twitter Ernie said <coughs> says I'm upset. I'm upset. The the role we can expect Vieira to be playing in considering Mikel's words on him from yesterday's post-match presser. If you missed this, uh, Arteta says something along the lines of, you know, he can play in the left side, the right side, anywhere. Um, yeah, not necessarily nailing down where where Vieira can play. I think he's played at left back as well. I'm very excited to see him play. Um, yeah, your thoughts on where you think where you think he will play? Sorry, my brain has just gone completely blank. <laughs> we were talking about cupcakes and we were was it is it lola's cupcakes alex it's so fucking art honestly my i i listened to everything you said and nothing just processed fabio vieira go fabio vieira fucking hell i sorry mate um i i've never seen the lad play so other than the comps of his 14 assists I think he is. I think if you look at what we're doing with the squad, it's obvious we are trying to build to a situation where we have two high quality players in in every position, especially because we're aiming to play Champions League football next year. That is vital, especially for the January, February, March times where in previous years with Wenger, our league form would take a massive hit because we were having to prioritise the Champions League and we didn't have the same level of depth. We... It's a different landscape and you do need that. And whilst I think that he could definitely do a job maybe at that left-hand day, and if we don't sign someone, that's something I'd love to see experimented with, especially against lower-level opposition where there's going to be a lot of deep blocks to unpick. Having two passers, the like of Fabio Vieira and Erdegaard, on the pitch at the same time might be really, really useful and helpful. Um, But I kind of reserve judgment until I've seen him play i haven't seen anything of him that would lead me to to believe or or, or we might see him be that left eight you don't sign a 30 million pound player on accident you know he is that's an expensive fee and he's a quality player but i do think it'll be right eight right half space vibes for him and it'll become a situation where erdegaard and he battle it out and Smith Rowe and whoever is that brand new central midfielder will battle it out for the left-hand slot. And then sometimes you'll, if, if we are playing against deep blocks, we might see the both of them. I don't know, but what's, what's exciting is we've just won two games in a row, scored six goals. We're doing sensationally well right now. And we've still got players to come back that we haven't even seen. Yep. Tommy Asu's played like 15 minutes of football. Vieira hasn't even started. You look at all of these things and you're going, there's so many more strings to this Arsenal bow right now that we look lethal. We really do. We do. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, as you say, a lot of strings to the bow. And I, I think we're just increasing that, you know, that, that first, um, the the injury to White slightly concerns me, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, it didn't look too bad. I saw him in the end, so who knows? But um, yeah, there's a lot of strings to our bow at the moment. I think you know that first sort of 15 or 16 maybe that we had last year has probably extended to a first 17 or 18. And if we can get one more, two more, I think we're in such a good place, man. And, and I saw someone like put together a sort of B team for Arsenal the other day, and I was like, that looks good. That's a good B team. That you know, like I'm not saying yeah, going to beat Man City's B team, but you know, it's a, it's a it's a solid. And it's it's not about getting two players in every position. It's about filling up those zones as best you can and, and getting everyone minutes. Yeah. But but we do have solutions in a lot of places. And and, and as for Fabio Vieira, 
I'm interested to see. I don't know. I in terms of his qualities, I look at him and go very, very good in tight spaces. Someone who can uh, can pick a pass. Someone who's got that ball in from the half space. Looks like an eight to me. Looks like a kind of um, people compare him to to Bernardo Silva. I'd, I'd liken him more to a sort of. I don't know. I think he's more of a sort of Gundogan goal scorer, really, than than than, than that. Um, but I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I, I, what's as you say, the most exciting part is actually the the fact that the sort of the overall squad itself is getting stronger, um, and that's a good thing. He's a thirty million pound signing that we've not seen. Yes, and exactly. Like, like it's it's yeah. I'm not sure we spoke about the firepower. Yeah. It's it's exciting. It's exciting. I'm not sure we spoke about it last time, but um, just a couple of sort of uh, news bits to go. Lucas Ferreira has joined Galatasaray. Uh, Pablo Mari's obviously joined AC. Get Vigon. Monza. Although I, people keep calling, get Vigon. People keep saying it, calling it Monzo, which I find funny. Um, Pablo Mari has joined Starling Bank on loan. Um, I think Runison's off. I think Bellerin's off. Um, yeah, it's we're 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 getting. I hate the word deadwood. I will not use it. But we're getting players who aren't going to play this season, gone, um, which is exciting. And you know, I'm, I look at we're our, getting dusty ballers out of the club. <laughs> dusty ballers. Um, but what's what's interesting as well is you know, the players that we want to stay are staying, and the players that the club that we want to go are going. See what I mean? Like it feels as though yeah, the club and the fans are pretty aligned on that one. Um, sometimes you see clubs selling selling players that the fans go one or they're doing that and, and sometimes you see it the other way around you know signing another centre back or another forward for whoever it is and going no we need to you know for Chelsea for example their midfield I'd say is the issue but they're signing forward so um, that feels quite exciting in terms of alignment uh, Brooke Norton Cuffey has also signed a new contract did you see the video of him signing oh oh I'll play it now. It was, it was chef's kiss, mate. And just finally, Brooke, have you got a message to our supporters? Um, watch this season. <laughs> the thing is, is like, that's a bit, it's a bit cringe, but if you're not a footballer, like, he gets to say that because he's a footballer and like, it's not a normal job. It's, you know, he's, he's on, however many thousands of pounds a week going out and playing in front of millions of people. Like it's not a normal job. So, so he gets to say that I think. And uh, yeah, it's very exciting. I mean, he, I, I looked at him on um, for a video and he, he looks really, really good. He, it's his body, mate. His body is his main strength. He's, he's oh. got that kind of Saka-esque um, ability to, to just make people bounce off him. Um, he's got a really good drive. He can go in and out. He's got both feet. Um, not you know he's more stronger on his right but he has got both feet he's got balls he's got um good passing range he's just yeah he he looks like an Arteta fullback and he's 18 I think it's now just about getting minutes um and being a different option you know if we had Tommy Asu Saliba White and Brooke Norton Cuffey for that right hand side I mean we are cooking and they're all under 25 yeah he should be going out on loan this season I think though right I think he will. I think he said in the in the interview he said probably a championship club. Um, but he should be going to you know if if Patino's looking that good at a, a Blackpool, he's definitely good enough for a, for a championship club. He looked really good at Lincoln, and he was seventeen, eighteen, and now he's you know when he turns he's he's eighteen until he turns nineteen. Obviously, that's how it works. Um, but <laughs> whenever I mention someone's age, I just try and work out a way of <laughs> making so that joke. Just fit that in. Are you caressing your nipples, Brad? No, I'm just stretching my back out. Brad hasn't seen the new episodes of All or Nothing. Um, because I haven't. You're a pussy? Is that is that correct? I heard that on the grapevine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... Listeners, tweet in your thoughts because Brad hasn't got any. Fucking loser. Um, but yeah, I, I have to say I thought... It was re- a lot more insightful than um, previous all uh, previous episodes. I found it very instructive that the Abamyang thing was mentioned 
was was framed in the way it was in terms of Aubameyang. The, the, the whole mm. situation, we saw a lot more insight than I thought we would. And they're clearly not trying to protect Aubameyang's um, reputation. That's the read that I got on it. Um, I felt as though they were pretty cut and dry in terms of how they're trying to portray Arteta. It feels very much like a... You know, people say, oh, well, it's it's an edited, it's a TV show. It's like, of course it is. So then what can we glean from it? What can we what can we tell from it? And Arteta is definitely, if you're looking at it through a certain lens, he's definitely the main character in this TV show, if you're trying to look at it that way. Um, you know, I imagine we'll see Stan and Josh at the end, as we saw them at the beginning, um, coming in probably as a sort of benevolent angel when the season slightly capitulates at the end, saying, you know, we still back you sort of stuff. But Arteta's, Arteta's star grows because of this and I, I know people personally have, have said to me you know I, I've I've it's the first time I've really watched Arteta and, and I, I'm starting to like him um, and I do think while there's a slight sort of by the manual type thing that Arteta does mm-hmm. it's a little bit sort of ensure you engage your audience with um, a you know a visual prop and uh, make sure you look them in the eye and use dynamic words like it's a little bit coaching manual for me but when he's spontaneous, when he re- he's responding to the players, I think he's really great. Um, so I, I think he's coming across really, really well. Um, I look forward to watching. Yeah, fucking prick. Um, right. Any other business, Brad? Um, oh, do you want to, should we just mention the refereeing in the Tottenham Chelsea game? Woeful. What is going on in this country? Yeah, the, cook- the Cucurella is- thing, man. Fuck me. I actually didn't see it live. And I, I saw, I heard someone say, oh, he got um, his hair pulled. And then I saw the incident and I was like, how on earth have you not given that? It's incredible. It's a, it's a red card. Spurs, it's violent conduct. Spurs are wank, mate. Honestly, they are wank. If I know this is a sort of a, a bit of a a bit of a one of these. If my grandmother had wheels, she would have been a bike. But if they didn't have Kane and Son, they obviously would not be competing for anything. But they wouldn't have their stadium. They would not have Conte. They would not have any of these these things, and they would not be being spoken about in the same way. Sky, um, there was a stat. There was something like Spurs haven't won at Stamford Bridge since the 1400s or something. And they were like, well, you know, they'll be looking to get a win today. Whatever happened, doesn't that tell you something that Spurs are not this team that everyone's building them up to be? There's a there's an outlier here. They've got a world-class striker and they're building around him. When he goes, there isn't some huge club waiting to to sort of be lifted from the doldrums. There are if Everton had Wayne Rooney coming through their academy right now and managed to hold on to him, Everton would be good for a couple of years. Spurs have just capitalised on this. It pisses me off so much. All these stats of go like Spurs, you know, haven't won here, or Spurs, you know, have won the most points they've ever won in a season. And you go, whoa, well, that's amazing! Wow, they're doing so well. No, it's because they haven't won enough points. They're a small club. This is the fucking. No one understands this. Like it's 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 like completely removal of context. Ah, oh, pisses me off. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, Brad, we've just got time for a little bit of Arsenal trivia. Last time out, I asked you uh, to name three UK politicians who are Arsenal fans. The theme was famous Arsenal fans and I asked you to name three UK politicians who are Arsenal fans. Jeremy Corbyn. Corbs, yep. Unfortunately, Keir Starmer. Keir Starmer, yep. And shall I just go for another Labour leader just for the banter? Go on. Tony Blair. Go on. Is Tony Blair an Arsenal fan? Nah, he's definitely... No, he's definitely like a Chelsea fan or something. Tony Blair. He... Oh, Newcastle. He supports Newcastle. There's a joke here about Saudi what? Saudi Arab money. I'm not going to go yeah. there. I'm not going to go there. Um, <laughs> right. 
<laughs> Your head will be found yes. in like a box. On a spike somewhere. Uh, the theme for next time is opening day matches. And the question is, what was the score on the opening day of the 17-18 season where Arsenal played Leicester at home? Question is, what was the score on the opening day of the 17-18 season where Arsenal played Leicester uh, and it was in Arsene Wenger's final season and a theme for next week please Bramley Scrapples Brazilian goal scorers for Arsenal to celebrate our main man Brazilian goal scorers for Arsenal lovely stuff well there's only 36 games till we win the league yeah so weird things have happened anything can happen if you let it Life can be out waiting, so go and get it. Grab it by the collar, seize it by the scrub. Oh, I'm just going to stop. <laughs> Fucking hell. I have one thing to say, Brad. We're going to win so much, you may even get tired of winning. And you'll say, please, it's a Comedy please, triple, had to do it. Pleasure as always. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, we will be back with another podcast post Bournemouth. Um, and yeah. Thanks as always for listening. Keep it different, Ock. And we will see you later. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock, an Arsenal podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the Different Knock, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com. We're on all social media at DiffKnock. Thanks. Podcast Network.